Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to this episode of the Officer Roll Call Podcast. I'm Paul Peluso, the editor of Officer Magazine. I'm joined, as always, by Frank Borelli, the editorial director of Officer Media Group. How's it going today, Frank? Pretty good, Paul. How you doing, bud? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. So today we're going to be talking about recruiting and retention in the July-August issue of Officer Magazine, which will be out in print in uh, digital and online in about two weeks or so from now. Uh, we are running two pieces on this topic. One is an article uh, from Chief uh, William Harvey uh, titled Revamp Your Recruiting Strategy, and the other is a command Q&A um, interview that I conducted with Sheriff John Pollock from the Branch County, Michigan Sheriff's Office. So, Frank, just to start it off, um, you know, without looking to these two pieces just yet, what is your overall sense of the recruiting um, market, I guess, within law enforcement? Um, Last couple of years, it's honestly been bad, but do you see that bouncing back at all? I think we're seeing a little bit of bounce back, and I say that because our number of sworn officers in the country is coming up a little bit, Paul. Um, obviously, it's still challenged. It's, it was really ugly three, four years ago. I mean, when you have everybody screaming, defund the police, um, you don't have a whole lot of eager bodies getting into it. Um, if you look at recruiting and retention numbers for the military, you can usually see kind of a parallel for what's going on in law enforcement. And we just don't have the number of volunteers that we used to have. It just it's it's become much more of a challenge. Um, but but yeah, I, I do think we're coming back some, and uh, and that's obviously good news. Right, and yeah, I think I've kind of seen the the same thing. But I, I think the big thing is that agencies are learning that they have to take um, you know different tactics and play different roles when it comes to recruiting than than they have in the past. Um, you know, it's, you don't have people lined up your door like you used to. So you have to kind of um, take take a different uh, strategy. So uh, in, in Chief Harvey's article, they, he writes about just that, that, you know, you can't solve today's problems with yesterday's thinking and basically talks about how um, department staff, everyone has to be a recruiter, that you can't have that um veteran officer that you know talks negatively about the department out in public because who knows you know who could hear him and that might turn other people off to you know applying for the department um and he gives a lot of different tips about um what department press have to look for and be uh, cognizant about when uh you know trying to um set a recruitment strategy so what what um what did you see in here frank so something he doesn't mention it he does obliquely, like you said, you know, the whole agency has to be recruiting staff effectively, but it, it goes beyond that, especially uh, when you get into the mid and smaller, uh, mid-sized and smaller agencies. It's not just the department, it's all the politicians and, and the the uh, employees that work for the city or municipality or whatever. Um, you know, you have, unfortunately, in too many places, politicians who badmouth the police and that's how they garner votes but that but that hurts recruiting so you really need a staff a group of politicians the city employees the leadership to really be positive and 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 help with that recruiting uh, effort not 
by going out and trying to find recruits, but just by not making the location seem so hateful to the police. Um, you know, we do we do have to maintain standards, though, and, and we've been lowering some of our, our our recruiting standards for a long time. I mean, way back in the 70s and 80s, uh, some of the bigger cities started lowering their written test requirements to pass. Um, you know, it used to be a time where if you had any kind of uh, criminal violation at all, you couldn't get hired. And now in a lot of places you have you have misdemeanors, uh, nonviolent misdemeanors that are acceptable uh, for police recruits. Um, I think Chief Harvey is right. You definitely have to adjust to the times. Uh, it's a different generation of people now come into law enforcement. Certainly when I went in, I, probably two generations later, I mean, I was 40 years ago for me. So, uh, you know, if you look at 21 as your youngest age, you've got two whole generations now that come into law enforcement since I got into it. Um, and, and you have to, you have to, I don't want to say cater to them, but be cognizant of the, of the differences generationally and, and kind of tailor your recruiting methods to that. I mean, there's more we can talk about in this article, but I, I, I think a hundred percent, the whole agency has to be part of the recruiting effort, but it's not just the agency. It's the whole governmental entity that's trying to hire these law enforcement professionals. You know, one thing I found interesting here too, is he says how, uh, you know, department staff has to become concierge and uh, cruise directors in a sense that, you have to be ready to, you know, direct recruits to different things like, you know, hotels that are close, uh, close by for testing and even try to get, you know, friendly prices pricing for those hotels. If that, if that can be obtained, that that goes a long way. Um, yeah, it's just things that, you know, no one really even thought about before that being able to lure in uh, new recruits, it's, uh, it, it's just you know, you have to go the extra mile now that you may not have had to, you know, 10 years ago, even. Yeah. You know, you know, you have to be proactively transparent in your recruiting, just like transparency is being demanded more of law enforcement agencies. You, you Like you said, used to be if somebody wanted to be the police bad enough and it was a competitive market. So, you, you, you know, you didn't have to worry about it. If somebody would find a way, they didn't care what the hotel cost. A lot of times they didn't have to travel that far unless they had dreams or aspirations of joining a particular police department um, or law enforcement agency. Now you, you've got to tell them so much information up front. What, what are all the steps going to be? How many times are they going to have to come in? What are the challenges that they're going to face? Um, you know, what's the background and the investigation going to consist of um, the things, whether or not they're going to be union uh, like you talked about, you know, helping them out with information on most convenient hotels and seeing if you can get some kind of friendly pricing for it. Um, you know, it's just, it's just so much that now that we're competing for recruits and we see more advertising and marketing now than we ever have before for recruiting, uh, we're, we're competing. The agencies are competing for recruits, not the other way around. And it's you also, and I don't, I don't know how much chief Harvey mentioned this, or if he's really skilled at it somehow, I don't think he would be, but, uh, you know, we, we didn't used to have the internet. When I, when I was hired and we didn't have social media, I mean, we barely had cell phones. Um, it, that's a whole different world. You have a social media marketing effort and you, and you have internet based application processes and all this other stuff. And you've got to adjust with the times and be prepared to put your best foot forward because you are competing for recruits, not the other way around. Yeah, and like you said, a, a lot of those marketing efforts are usually coming from the the larger departments, 
and you know you'll see efforts from so a, a big agency almost across the country in some respects um one thing that smaller departments face you know is you know the lack of resources and when i spoke to uh brent county michigan sheriff john pollock um about this for the command q a piece uh that will also be a uh yeah, have a podcast element to it. Um, yeah, he said that th- this has been a big deal. That you know, Branch County, Michigan, they uh, they're right at the border there with um, they have Ohio and they have Indiana, um, right just in in a short driving distance, and that those departments didn't used to compete um, for the same recruits, and now now they do. Um, that they already have, uh, you know, Detroit and Wayne County are just to the east of them, but now they have all these other departments that are kind of vying for the same uh, candidates. And, you know, back in 2013, they had 23 deputies. Um, and then when uh, 2013 hit, they uh, were cut down to eight. And so just the the funds that they have, but then now even, the you know, hire and uh switch out the the uh deputies who have retired and they need new deputies has been a a big challenge for them um that they don't have the resources to send people to job fairs and and um do different things that they may not have necessarily done before he said that in the past they would just have people lined up for the jobs uh, when they had openings and it's just not the case anymore well and it's something that every chief and sheriff really needs to vet uh, recruits when they're talking about some some recruits want to work for big cities uh, they've watched tv shows about new york city police department or los angeles and you know the biggest agencies in the country dc police department and we often talk about the nfl cities if the city's big enough to have its own team certainly they've got a nice size police department the kind of service you provide there is different than when you're on a county sheriff but that county is so uh it's lacking in density of population. So you don't have this high number of citizens. So the sheriff's office might be providing all the law enforcement services, but they just don't have that manpower. And it's not the same setting as that inner city police. And uh, if you have a recruit and, and all his life, he's dreamed of being a big city cop. He's, he's watched blue bloods and, and, you know, whatever law and order SUV and all this other stuff. And he wants to be a New York city cop, but, that's so far away. So he goes to the local sheriff's office and he applies. Ultimately, he's not going to be happy if he gets hired. Um, you know, he, he he's looking for something different. But I, I tip my hat to Sheriff Pollock. And, uh, just that his agency has some of the services that it has, given how small it is. Um, and I would like to point out one other thing. So he talks about, you, you mentioned before 2013, he had 23 deputies. And then in 2013, he got to, cut to eight. That was probably after fighting a fight for a good long time. In 2008, when the housing bubble burst, uh, you know, it hurt everybody's tax base. And that's what those municipalities and and county governments live on is tax base. Police departments don't pay for themselves. They don't generate revenue. Um, So, you know, if if your tax base tanks, all of a sudden everybody's budgets get cut. uh, Going from 23 to 8, that's a two-thirds cut. And then to still be able to provide the same number of services, like Sheriff Pollock says in in the piece, the interview you did with him, you know, they they almost did away with night patrol. Um, well, they did, yes. Yeah. So excuse they, me, they, they did, did have to cut out yeah, their night patrol, yeah. Uh, but for all that, now they've made a comeback. I assume 
because he's able to offer some of these people eventual postings and things like drone patrol, a dive team, and a SWAT team. I've never heard of an eight-man agency with a SWAT team. A good SWAT team takes six guys minimum. Um, so hopefully their numbers have come back up some. Uh, and it's good that he can spread those services out and offer them some a little something to whet their appetite and keep them interested. You know what I mean? And he said that um... – one of their biggest recruiting tools and kind of like chief Harvey was talking about is uh word of mouth from their, uh, their existing deputies that, you know, that they go out in the community and they talk to people in the community and to their friends. And, you know, they can answer any question that someone may have about the department. And that has actually been one of the best, um, the best things. Um, also something he talked about that'll be in the podcast, but I don't think made it to the article here is, um, you know, they, they have programs with some of the local uh, schools and, you know, different uh, internship programs and, and uh, things that they're able to kind of expose um, the local residents to the to what the sheriff department offers and, and what what you can do there. So he said that that has helped a lot as, as well in uh, recruiting uh, deputies for the future. You know, and that's got to be better in the in the little agencies. And I don't want I mean little. I don't mean that offensively in any way. The, the the county sheriff's agencies and like we talk about the tribal police and these small agencies. If if the town or city or county, uh, if the residents have a lot of respect and appreciation for the for the law enforcement agency, be it police or sheriff, that goes a long way in the recruiting effort. Nobody wants to go to work for a police department where the moment they get sworn in, they put on a badge. They're automatically a target and they're hated. Uh, you know, they 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 want that feeling of accomplishment and appreciation, knowing they're, they're, there's always haters. There's always people don't like the police. There's always people out there willing to do us harm. We call them criminals. But when your average law-abiding, respectful citizen is looking to, at you like there's something wrong with you just because you put on the badge, that is not a welcoming environment. And that's kind of what a lot of places were facing three, four, five years ago. And we're starting to turn the tide now. People have realized defund the police and constantly criticizing every minor mistake and cops are humans. We make mistakes. Uh, you know, that, that, that doesn't do any good. That makes the crime rates go up that you actually do need professional law enforcement. They need to be supported. They need to be appreciated. And we're, we're starting to see that tide turn a little bit, which is definitely a good thing. And Sheriff Pollock even mentioned that he, he believes that the current uh, what he calls the misrepresentation of law enforcement has really uh, caused that lack of applications and a cutback from what they were seeing before. So, yeah, yeah, he as well uh, hopes that the tide tide changes some. Um, but you mentioned about smaller agencies. He, he also made the point that he's able to have a relationship with uh, his deputies that, you know, and bigger agencies, uh, even in sheriff's uh, departments like Wayne County, uh, which is huge compared to his, you know, that that sheriff isn't nearly as president as say he can be with, with the much smaller staff. Um, yeah. so, so that's something, you know, that, that smaller departments, anybody that out there that's listening, uh, your smaller department can offer, um, you know, more of a family atmosphere than say that that large, large agency that can offer other things like, you know, different posts um, and, and uh, you know, large uh, more pay, of course. But yeah, but you know, any any sheriff that. can can make it feel like it's a a family yeah. uh, setting. I mean, I, you have a hundred man sheriff's office, and that's if your sheriff is out there, it depends on his demeanor 
It depends on it depends on his leadership style. It depends on how he uh, relates to his officers and how he treats them. You can have a very out of touch chief of police on a ten man agency, um, and, and it's all about ego. You you can have a five hundred man agency and have every officer delighted when they see the chief show up because he's that leader that takes care of them and represents them well and, and is personable. I mean, look, rank is rank. And, and I grew up, my dad was a district court judge, and, and there's a lot of people in the world today that are impressed with a title. But I got news for everybody out here. Every chief, every sheriff, every officer, we all put on our pants the same way. Some of us are a little more coordinated about it. Some of us do it faster because we're younger, whatever. But we're all human beings. We all have jobs to do. We all have titles. We all have responsibilities. But at the end of the day, we're all people. And if you wear a badge, you are part of that thin blue line family. And if you start acting like you're above it, then your ego gets in the way of taking care of your people. And we need to avoid that. Great. Well, yeah, I think this was a pretty good discussion, Frank, about recruitment. Um, is there anything that you wanted to add uh, before we log off? You know, anybody who's listening, who's not an officer, who's thinking about it, um, I would encourage you to go to your local agency and have conversations with them. Find out what it's really about. Go on some ride-alongs and see what they do. Um, you know, I had a very fulfilling career, and I never worked for a big agency that ran, you know, just all kinds of calls. And, and you know, I, it's not like it was NYPD or L.A. Like I said, I worked for, gen, you know, generally small agencies for 40 years, but we could we could also help people. We could spend the time, uh, you know, somebody's house broken into and talk to them about how to make it more secure how how to make it harder to break into uh to avoid that in the future we could actually uh help you know you see the elderly woman struggling with groceries we could stop and help her with her groceries we had the time to do that we had the time to do the serve part of protect and serve um but we also did the enforcement part of law enforcement i would encourage people who are curious go and pursue it get the information find out if it's for you and then if it is, go after it wholeheartedly. Um, if it's not, be honest with yourself about that and find a different profession, too. Uh, coming into law enforcement when it's not for you is is never a good thing. But I, I encourage people out there. It's, it's still a very honorable, admirable profession. It's very rewarding. There's a lot of personal development in it. And, and few things are better than being able to serve your community and, and seeing the appreciation of those you do protect and serve. So I would encourage people to check it out. I'd like to thank everyone for uh, joining us on this episode of the Officer Roll Call podcast. As always, if you have any questions, suggestions, anything for us, you can reach us at editors at officer.com. And as always, uh, take care and stay safe. Thanks, Paul. Thank you for listening to this episode of Officer Roll Call. Be sure to check back every two weeks for a new episode. Stay safe.